Hello and welcome back to Onboard and Sharing. In this episode, we speak to a chiropractor named Siobhan Wilcox. She's actually Irish, so she has such a unique spelling. But anyway, she works at Rand Park Ridge Family Chiropractic Clinic. And she is a phenomenal, open-minded chiropractor. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed this episode. I got so much information and insight out of this episode. So I know all of you listening are going to get just as much sort of info out of this and enlightenment as I did because I had no idea that um, a chiropractor was such an important uh, role in uh, sort of a pregnant woman's journey in terms of alignment and sort of just getting everything sort of in the right positions. Um, and uh, I didn't really realize that um, you don't actually need to be in pain to go to a chiropractor. You can um, go to one from to get from good to best, to, to like to your best self. <laughs> and all the pains that your body makes, you've got to go and see them. Yeah, and so uh, we're really excited to definitely book a, a chiropractic session just to go from good to best and uh, good to, to even better. And uh, yeah, we're really, really excited for you to learn what we learned uh, in this uh, beautiful chat with Siobhan. Um, it was a really insightful, um, educational chat for us and uh, we're really excited for you to learn what we learned as well. And we learned later that her husband is also a chiropractor that works alongside her. How amazing is that? So depending on if you want a male or a female chiropractor, now you know where you can go. Yeah, definitely. Enjoy the episode. Cool. So Siobhan, how did you come into your career? <laughs> okay, so um, maybe we'll just quickly do a quick disclaimer just to say that everything that we're discussing today, there's lots of stuff that has got research backing what we're saying and a lot of it is in anecdotal evidence from 20 years of experience in working with pregnant ladies and babies. Um, I qualified as a biokineticist and then ended up working with a chiropractor for two years and I thought that what they did was far cooler than what I did. So <laughs> I then quit biokinetics in order to do chiropractic. So yeah, I now I love what I do, so that's a, a win. And then, yeah, coming to treat babies, you know, we didn't really cover a whole lot of stuff in our course. So um, I found a, um, an orphanage and um, we set up time to go and treat there and took, you know, when I've been qualified, we took students and yeah, I think I did it for about five years. And that is a real privilege actually, because you get to actually work with a baby. There's mm. no stressed out mom watching mm. what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, you actually got that privilege of, of really just being able to focus on the baby before worrying about the mom influence. Mm. And then I had a lady that wanted to have a, a natural birth early on in when I started practicing and she wanted a midwife and so together we found a midwife we found link um, linkwood clinic and so that kind of started the journey of midwives and how they work and how we work together and so okay got a relationship going with her and that was amazing because that mm. really taught me a huge amount about you know birthing and all sorts of things so um, that was really good so yeah, so I treated pregnant ladies and babies for a good probably five years before I had my own. 
which I think was wonderful because you weren't mm. stepping into a place of the unknown. Mm-hmm. You're stepping very much into a known place, knowing what you wanted, how you wanted it, and that it wasn't a scary place to go. So, yeah, so that I think was probably the start. And then loads of courses on pregnancy and pediatrics and yeah, plenty of those, which has been great. Um, and then I think probably my two best lessons has been having my two children. And did That's, you have them naturally or did you do yeah. C-section? Or? Two home births. Oh, what? Yeah. So your first time you were nervous, you were just like, home birth? No, hospitals were far more scary a place than <laughs> oh, wow. But also I'd heard so many negative experiences of moms that have been through the hospital. And when I was treating, you know, the mom comes through the door and I know whether they've been at a hospital or if they've been with a midwife. Because hmm. the moms that come in from a midwife just are far calmer, far more peaceful, they've had hmm. so much more support, they've been held through the whole process. But the gynae process is, right, I'm pregnant, go in, see the gynae, the gynae goes, okay, lovely to meet you, this is the date that your C-section is going to be on, these are the days I operate, pick a date. And that's about as much love and care and you know nurturing as you get through that process. Mm. And I'm you know not every every oh, hospital yeah. experience is is that clinical, but you know that's that's the the average brushstroke that mm. yeah. I would you know, that I've seen. Mm. It's not a it's not a gentle process mm. because it's very clinical. They've got lots of rules and regulations. They've got all the medical legal stuff that they have to fit into. Where with a midwife doula. It's, it's a much more gentle process overall. And did you have support through, throughout your pregnancy? Mm. So you see your midwife, I think, I can't actually remember, but I think you see them once a month and then towards the end you see them every two weeks, every week or whatever. And, mm. you know, their question isn't just, you know, let's see how the baby's mm. doing and ultrasound you and mm. it's how you're doing, how's your marriage, how are you coping, mm. what else do you need? You know, it, there's just more to it than just like, okay, well, let's just make yeah. sure the baby's fine and then send you on your way. Mm-hmm. A more holistic approach. Much more. And usually they work in connection with chiros and homeopaths and reflexologists. And so, you know, it's just a very different journey. Mm. And um, it's more balanced. And it's what, yeah. like you said, not just for the baby. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. You know, and if you need homeopathic remedies for whatever, you go and you see your homeopath and if you need what you know so there's there's far more of a kind of network of connection mm. to hold the yeah. mom mm. in a safe you know just would call it a safe space whatever a happy space mm. yeah to to feel confident through the through the pregnancy mm. and i think maybe that'll just jump me straight into like the psychology behind all the birthing because i think that's i mean i spend a lot of time there mm-hmm. but i think most moms have never had a baby of, you know, like a, a sibling that's had a baby or an auntie or whatever and being part of a, another person's pregnancy and or baby raising experience. So there's a lot of fear around that. Yeah. And I, I don't think Dr. Google helps either no. because there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of the, this is how you do it and this is the recipe and don't deviate from the recipe. And mm. I think that adds enormously to mom's stresses. So for me, it's about reduce the fear. And no matter, you know, mm. the various ways of doing that, but the moms can journal, you know, you can punch a punching bag if, you know, if that's what you need to do, but reduce the fear. And if your own mom is still alive, ask them what your birth experience is like, mm. because yeah. that is ingrained in your primitive brain and that can play out the minute you go into labor. So if you already know ahead of going into labor, that there's a potential for whatever fear to pop up, 
you can already process that and it's done. If yeah. your midwife and doula know about that, they can support you and, and take you through that process. And most of them have got varied skill sets that they can use to do that. Mm. So I think that's like a yeah. a real help because it's, it just gives you that, that sense of, okay, I've got lots of stuff to process and I can work through these things. Because most of the time we don't even know that it is a fear. True. Yeah. And then and suddenly in labor, yeah. labor doesn't progress. Mm. And then it's like, oh, well, let's go seize you quickly because your mm. labor's not progressing. In the meantime, your body's picking up that you're fearful and it's not going to dilate. Mm. So it's going to hang on as long as, it, mm. it, long as, you, as long as your body thinks this is not a safe place to yeah. birth, you're not going to dilate. Mm. As soon as the body goes, oh, safe, peaceful, dilation happens. Mm. And time and time and time again, we've seen it with moms that just need something to shift them out of that fear. And then it's all clean sailing. So I have that conversation with moms in the treatment mm. so that they can start processing that while they're pregnant. Mm. So that it's not a, you know, it's Only not a surprise. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I do suggest, you know, go back to your midwife, go back to your doula and, you know, work these things yeah. through with them as well. So that's sort of the the psychology side, because when you look at that from a more a physiological point of view now, you're trying to balance the, the nervous system. Mm. So you've got your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight flight, and you've got your parasympathetic, which is your rest digest. Now you want your rest digest to be in, in command through your whole pregnancy mm. and producing oxytocin and creating all those happy hormones. You don't want your fight flight in action, less so during labor, but certainly through the pregnancy as well. If you can have a calm, peaceful pregnancy, where most moms are renovating a house, moving, doing all sorts of very stressful things, yeah. which is not ideal, but I think that's part of the nesting sort of thing that kicks in. But if you can keep that rest digest nice and happy, and obviously with a chiropractic adjustment, we're working on all of that as well to try and bring that, that rest digest mm. side of the nervous system back into balance. Um, so that's yeah, that's where the adjusting will come in and help. And then uh, an, an interesting fact um, was that the more stress that you have during your pregnancy, the greater the chance of expressing your genes for autism and ADHD. No ways. So that's something just <laughs> like, you know, going, oh, okay. So stress is a mm. thing. It can actually start expressing genes. Let's try and nurture the moms. Yeah. And really just give them the support that they need. And not be like, oh, you don't have a disease, you're just pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Hold them and find out how they're doing, how they're coping, you know, where they're at, what do they need, mm. how can you best support them. Okay, so that's... And then I think, you know, just um, changing the conversation around birthing. Change it from this, oh my word, this is the scariest thing you'll ever do, yeah. it's so painful, it's this, it's that, it's the next thing. Change the conversation. Mm. My question is, Is would you love a beautiful, absolutely fantastic, wonderful birth process? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Most people would. Yeah. I had two amazing birth experiences. They were totally not traumatic. They were beautiful, wonderful, superb, empowering. You know, pick as many of those descriptive yeah. words. That, that was what it was. Was there pain? Absolutely there was pain. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, that's being realistic. And the first one is nine and a half hours of some serious, serious hard labor. 
My second one was 40 minutes. It was done and dusted in no time at all. I mean, oh, that yeah. I can't even say, you know, I mean, 40 minutes of a bit of pain. So, you know, but that just once again, mm. the psychology behind birth was mm. huge. And I knew what to expect. I knew what I wanted to do. And I didn't want anybody interfering. And I got, you know, I totally mm. got my wish. So do you feel like your first pregnant or your first birth was there was interference and that's why it took nine hours? Or was it just because your first mom fears hadn't been dealt with or I think a lot of that yeah and I hadn't had nearly enough chiropractic treatment which is ridiculous as a chiropractor when you should know better (laughs) I had the most insane amount of sacroiliac joint pain ridiculous and I think I had I don't know a handful of treatments where the second one I had monthly treatments in the beginning every week towards the end and it was a breeze I did not have one stitch of backache nothing in the second one but it was also then there was absolutely zero fear Mm. because then I knew Mm. I knew exactly what I needed to do I knew how to do it and I realized how powerful that the chiropractic treatment is in in helping moms get over the sciatic pain the pelvic pain the ligament aches the headaches the sinus the all of these other things that you can really you know help them because they really are quite limited they can't Mm. just go chucking drugs down their throats, yeah. you know, if they saw. So, you know, you really can mechanically help them a huge amount and neurologically. Mm. So, yeah, so I think those are really important to note. Um, I think also, okay, so fear will reduce the dilation of the cervix. Stress is also associated with an increased experience of pelvic pain. Increased stress in the mom leads to a high incidence of the baby having reflux especially because they tend to be babies that cry a lot. Um, If the mom is also a smoker, there's even a larger chance of the baby presenting with reflux later. Mm. So those are things you can deal with, you know, in the treatment room and have those those conversations with moms. Um, And then I think also to reduce your stress, you have to pick a birthing team and really pick it carefully. Give it some thought, plan it, interview people, find the people that will work well with you. Um, yeah, so I think that's sort of the psychology behind it. Mechanically, mostly just overall as a chiropractor, you're looking for symmetry in the body, you're looking for full functional range of movement in all the joints, so that's what yeah. you're then looking for, you're assessing the spine, all the joints, pelvic joints, legs, arms, the whole shebang. Um, and then you look at fascia, Everything in the body is, is built around reciprocal tension in a fascial system. So you really want to make sure that that fascial system is nice and fluid and yeah. moving it. That's not restricting the, the space for the, the uterus to grow, for the baby to get head down position. So mm. it's not lying transverse. And interestingly enough, when you've got a transverse lie of a baby, there seems to be either a connection to previous operations, like an appendix, a gallbladder, uh, something like that, where that scar tissue is restricting yeah. that, that ability of the, the pelvis mm. to, or the, the uterus rather, to expand where it should and give the baby space. The other thing is it does seem to have rather a large connection to fear. If the mom is very fearful, mm. that baby won't even go head down. So wow. that that's, that's so another thing. And so the last two years, now. I've seen more transverse lie babies than I have in 20 mm. years. 
Sure. So, and you, and uh, do you think it's a result of fear, or what do you think it comes? Well, down I think to? with all the unknown and the fear that we've had for the last two years, sure. yeah. and COVID. what moms have to do in order to jump through far more hoops, in order to have the baby, and can the dad be part of the process? Yeah. Can't they? Uh, you know, they, there's just been so many more factors, and also uh, stressing every two weeks. Well, I know with moms that are going into labour and naturally are not going for C-sections, they every two weeks, like from two months they have to start testing themselves in order to make sure that they don't have COVID they've got to isolate so I mean yeah. there is like what if you get it then you've got to isolate can you go to the hospital what happens if you get COVID I can just imagine all the, the fears that come into yeah. mom's mind and so I mean that's just been something that I've noticed in my practice it's it's been mm-hmm. very noticeable um, so yeah so fear definitely is one of those things that mm-hmm. one really has to try and Figure it out with the mom and see if you can, you know, who is the best person to allay that fear for them. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, and then neurologically, obviously, you want all your nerves speaking to the muscles and every organ, you know, as happily as possible and as flawlessly as possible and uninterfered as possible so that everything can develop and, and do what it's meant to do. I mean, we're also hardwired primitively to do this thing, and I think we get very complicated yeah. and complicate. A process that is actually supposed to be so simple. Yeah. And is every birth a successful birth? No, it's not. You know, was it ever in the history of birthing? No, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, so I think it's, you know, we're we having less children. And so therefore every birth is probably, I'm not saying more precious than any other birth would have been. But I think we, we put it on ourselves that this is the most precious thing Mm. because we're only going to have one mm. or two children, where if you were having 20 children, you know, was every birth precious? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. But the reality of it was is, well, you know, mm. you made it or you didn't, and you just carried on. There weren't as many choices for women to, to make that choice. How does, how does a body change during pregnancy? Okay, so many changes. Probably the most profound, obviously, is a very quick increase in weight. Um, and so, you know, trying to just accommodate for that is, is quite a lot. The average weight gain is about 12 kilos. So that is quite significant. Mm. Um, and then you've got a hormone called relaxin, which is secreted literally from day one of conception. There is a spike at 14 weeks and another spike at 27 weeks. So that can be a wobble in a pregnancy. But yes, that loosens ligaments, tendons, all sorts of things. So everything is just a little bit more fluid and and wonky. So just, you know, maintaining some sort of exercise or physicality during a pregnancy is helpful just to keep keep a little bit of strength. Um, So it's a change in your center of gravity. The lumbar lordosis, which is the lower back curve, increases. So there's more stress on the facet joints. Um, You've actually got an increase in coagulability. Um, which is clotting in the blood. You've also got increased vascularity, so you've got increased blood supply and blood vessels Mm. and things. So those are also just things to take into consideration. Um, And so the common things that we see is low back pain, pelvic pain, sciatic pain, migraines, cervicogenic headaches. That would be like the common stuff. And then obviously babies that are not head down, Mm. we can work on that. Uh, um, Sinus issues and sinuses are just a thing our mucous membranes just do produce more mucus which is gut Mm. sinus everything else through pregnancy 
Um, so staying well hydrated is a big factor in pregnancy. As um, always. Hmm? As, As always, always yes. yes, 100%, <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, I think that's sort of mostly the body, body changes and it's really just trying to make sure that you are encouraging the moms to stay active, keep moving. If they've got a desk job, anybody with a desk job, move every half an hour. Even if yeah. you can't move out of your chair, move in your chair, um, but preferably get up and move around just to, to keep mobility. Um, and then, um, yeah, let's just quickly go through medication. Um, the two most common medications, Spinado and Gaviscon. And in anybody, we've got a toxicity threshold. Okay, so our body can get rid of toxins at a certain rate. If you go over that rate, your body is going to kind of go, well, where do I put these toxins? And it's going to start storing them somewhere in the body. As long as you remain below that toxic threshold, you'll be fine. When you're pregnant, you've got a lot of hormones. So your, your liver and mm. every detox system is under a little bit more pressure to process all of these mm. hormones. So even, you know, you, you reach that threshold a lot quicker than you would under normal circumstances. So then adding any other toxicity is not a great idea. Um, so you want to um, preferably avoid Panado and Gaviscon, which are really promoted as totally safe to take during pregnancy. What you're not told is Gaviscon can lead to constipation. So if you're not clearing out the colon, you're going to increase your toxicity. Mm. You're going to increase the potential of low back pain and pelvic pain mm. because the minute the colon starts to back up, that's going to start irritating everything in that area. Um, Gaviscon will reduce your acid secretion, which reduces your protein digestion, which can lead to a leaky gut. Okay. Um, Panado will increase your fatigue. It can trigger asthma. It can reduce empathy. It increases liver toxicity and failure. And just a little note on that, 50% of liver transplants are due to paracetamol abuse. It kills all your gut bacteria and it can cause blood in the stool. So you might have blood in the stool and panic and it's just because you've been taking Panado. Okay. Sure. So those are really important to know. Um, there are options that one can look at. So first and foremost, your diet. My advice is cut wheat, dairy, sugar, pre um, preservatives, colorants, anything that's potentially toxic. Mm. Um, and like with most things, we need to make sure our terrain and our environment is clean, not just our bodies. So yeah. we want clean water, clean air, clean food um, is a really good place to start. Uh, there are tissue salts that can help. So in terms of, you know, instead of Gaviscon, you can try tissue salt number 10 for acidity. Number eight for cramps. Um, instead of paracetamol, you can look at tissue salt number four for reducing inflammation. Number nine to reduce fluid retention. Um, and I know some moms get totally desperate and tissue salts and ginger for nausea and whatever mm. just don't work. Mm -hmm. um, and so they do get desperate and they do take these things. But if you can clean up the diet and you can reduce the stress and you can reduce the fear factor, most of those symptoms will dissipate, but it requires dedication from the mom mm. to actually stick to that. Yeah. So those that are willing to change will have fabulous results. And those are like, hell no, I like my coffee and chocolate <laughs> yeah. and my whatever. And yeah. I don't care if I've got a migraine, I'll just chuck a whatever. That's choices. You know? So it's offer the choice and you, you make yeah. your mind up. Um, 
And then, yeah, other alternatives for, for example, like carpal tunnel is, is a real thing in pregnancy. And once again, that's due to swelling and fluid retention. Um, vitamin B6 is really good for that. Um, omega-3 will reduce your inflammation. And omega-3 is recommended in pregnancy in any case. Mm. I recommend omega-3 all the way through your whole breastfeeding um, journey as well, simply because yeah. reduced omega-3 has got a high um, correlation to um, baby blues. Okay. Um, and there is research that has been done on doing a PET scan of mom's brains. And what they found there is through pregnancy and breastfeeding, your body will pull fat from wherever it can to make sure that the baby is getting full nutrition. And the mom's brains, post a breastfeeding or pregnancy breastfeeding journey, mm. it actually looks like they have got like an MS type of Alzheimer's. Sure. Yeah, um, Thing going on in the brain because there's depletion of that myelin sheath mm. that protects the nerves so it can literally be a brain injury that is occurring if yeah. you're not supporting your body nutritionally okay yeah. so it's really really important to have a look at that through pregnancy as well mm. then morning sickness you can use b6 again and then another product called p59 um, the other two essentials that we found is vitamin D3 and K2. Most people are depleted of those sorts of things. Mm. So in pregnancy, breastfeeding, D3 and K2. Do you find that's with most women who don't take any supplements at all, or is it just normal women? It seems to just be across the board. Okay. Because we've been told to be scared of the sun. So then yeah. we go outside uh, in the sun, but we cover our entire selves, yeah. or we put on toxic chemicals to prevent sunburn, mm. and so we're not getting enough D3. Mm. Yeah. So, and D3 needs K2 to be able to be pulled right into the cells, so that combination is really important. So, yeah, so I think um, that's something just to consider, mm. um, you know, that the, the um, integrative practitioners and, you know, those sorts of homeopaths and stuff are often testing patients' blood levels, and those consistently come up low. Mm. Yeah. So it is just something to consider. Um, and then I think, you know, if, if one looks at pregnancy, um, not just like, oh, I'm pregnant, okay, make a booking with a gynae, let's just see what happens. Um, you know, and if the moms come in and go, oh, I'm hoping to have a natural birth, and I hope I can breastfeed. I'm like, well, you need a plan mm. to have a natural birth. Absolutely, and you have yeah. to have a plan to breastfeed successfully. Um, it, it's not a hope and a wish and a prayer. Yeah, it's uh, not know, a strategy. It's yeah. not a strategy at all. I mean, it's part of a strategy, and yeah. I think we need hope. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a strategy. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I, I never want to say that to a pregnant woman. It's like, well, if, if you're hoping for it, you're not going to get mm. it. Yeah. Because if you're with a gani, that's your first mistake. Mm. Um, with all due respect to ghanis. But, you know, if, if you really are serious about having a vaginal birth, start with a midwife and a doula. Mm. You know, if, if they, you know, you, you have your checkups with your gynae anyway, mm. so it's not like they're cut out of the picture. But if you want that nurturing, wholesome, beautiful experience through your pregnancy and through your birth, that would be my starting point. Mm. And once again, even the moms that do that whole process, some of them are still not a successful vaginal birth. Mm. But psychologically, they're, way better, off they're way better off than the mom that went the gynae route 
and we're told, oh no, sorry, hun, this is not going to happen. We're going to cut you, blah blah blah, and you know, and then they don't get any support at all, and there's no support after that either. Mm. So you've, you know, there's there's all of those factors to consider. Mm. Um, and I think I would see pregnancy as planning for a big event. You need a team, you need a plan, and you need to remain flexible to change. Uh, if you were going to run the Comrades Marathon, you wouldn't go and just tuck on a pair of any old shoes and head out for a 90k run. Yeah. Okay. You're going to choose <laughs> the shoes that are correct for you. You're yeah. going to have a training program. You're going to watch what you're eating. You're going to stay well hydrated. You're going to have rest days. You're mm. going to have longer training runs. You're going to have shorter training runs. You're going to have heels. You're going to cross train. You're going to do a whole program of things, right? Same applies for pregnancy. Okay. The better prepared you are, the better the journey will be. And the better the final outcome should be a blissful, beautiful birth. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's a really important um, mm. side to look at. You know, I mean, a lot of people have commented and said, oh, you were just so lucky you got the birth you wanted. And I said, I don't think luck had anything to do with it. Mm. I did a lot of planning beforehand. I did a mm. lot of deep work to, to get to that point. Mm. And maybe it was luck maybe it wasn't but i don't think it was luck at all i think it was a lot of unbelievable planning a brilliant birthing team and yeah and choosing and being in control because i don't think moms have you know they need permission to be in control yeah i was just gonna say and they I don't know where they can actually be in control yeah no and they hand over that power mm. they totally hand it over to whoever they think should be in charge of their birth and they need to be reminded you are in charge of your birth. Yeah. You get to make those choices. You get to call the shots because it is your baby. Mm. You get to make that decision. Nobody else has a right to tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Never. Mm. They can give their opinion. They can give their expertise. They can give their feelings. They can do whatever you like. You, the buck stops with the mom. Mm. And then obviously the partner because you know, you're a team, mm. hopefully, <laughs> you know, and it's got to work for the three of you, yeah. whatever decisions you make. And I think that is the like vital point in, in, in all of that. And, you know, who you see, who you choose to treat you, who you choose to guide you, whatever. Mm. I think it's, it's a really, really important um, part is to know that you are in control. You have the power, you have the permission, yeah. you know, nobody gets to take that from you. Mm. And you should definitely not be giving it to anybody mm. to take for you. And I think that's, that's probably where a lot of stuff kind of in inverted commas goes wrong with the birthing process is because you've given your power away and you're now sitting there powerless waiting for people to do stuff to you in order for this to happen. Mm. It's not going to, you know, that's... Yeah. And we've just got so much at our fingertips, but yet we're not using it, or we're researching it in the wrong way. Like you said, Dr. Google. But I think I think mm. you're right. And get the right team, right approach, right preparation. Mm. Otherwise, you fall into somebody else's schedule. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you know. I mean, another one of my favourite sort of things to say is is the head brain. Okay, is a very busy place. There is lots of information. It is absolutely diametrically opposed you you can find any bit of information you want right sometimes you've got to park the head brain and go to the heart brain and go what do i feel mm. and go to the gut brain and go what do i know and if you play in the heart and the gut brain that is going to guide you far better than any other person 
yes, you've got, you know, expertise in fields and, you know, I can yeah. tell you lots about your spine and how, how your joints are going to work and how you can do this and how you can do that. But I can't, I can't birth your baby. Mm-mm. You have to birth your baby. And I can help you with as much support and, you know, whatever possibilities I can do. And, you know, but the buck stops with you. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, it, things have just become so medicalized. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, well, you know, I will rely on medicine to take care of this whole process. And, and I think that's where the power has been taken away. And it's, it's time for women to take their power back and say, I know what I'm going to do. I know mm-hmm. how I'm going to do it. I'm going to find all the right people. And that's who I'm going to surround myself with. Yeah. And in your birthing team, you only want those people that are in your corner shouting for you, going, you can do this. Yes, We're there for sure. you. You really actually do not want anybody in your inner circle that's going, are you crazy? Women can't give natural birth. Just go and see a real doctor. You know, that's not not who you want in your support team at all. So, yeah. And in terms of a C-section and a, and a natural, like what is the benefits? I mean, obviously there's a lot more benefits that we know of in terms of natural, but there's obviously some pros and cons to both. Okay. So, okay. So if you're looking at a vaginal birth, okay, things can go pear-shaped there too. So if a mom is given pethidine, for example, the baby has a 50% chance of having an addiction. If you've had an epidural, it can increase the stress on the baby and make it harder for the baby to work its way out, okay, because you just become a, you can't do anything, everything's mm. been knocked out, so now the baby has to do all the hard work without the mom helping. Yeah. Um, if the mom is lying on her back, it decreases the pelvic space by 1.5 centimeters, which sure. is a lot, okay, so the pelvis can increase by 1.5 centimeters, the baby's head molds by 1.5 centimeters. So when moms are told your pelvis is too small for your baby, they're measuring your pelvis and their head. Of course they're not going to fit because they haven't added 1.5 to your pelvis and minus 1.5 from the baby's head in order to mm. have a, a realistic discussion about that. Uh, labor lasting less than three hours or more than 23 hours may result in an increased incident of a retained reflex in the baby and or reflux. Um, if there's any distortion in the uterine support structures, it can result in an increased length and difficulty of the labor process. So those would be the negative sides or the you know, negative outcomes. Mm. However, when you consider that versus a C-section, um, babies that have been born via cesarean section have an increased incidence of metabolic syndrome. They're far more likely to become obese children and overweight adults. Increased incidence of type 1 diabetes increased incidence of asthma and other allergies, reflux is usually worse due to decreased core tone, increased incidence of retained reflexes, an increased incidence of the tongue in an anterior position, the reduced breathing due to decreased chest compression and delayed growth and fine motor control later in the, in the baby. Okay, so there's a lot more negativity around a C-section versus a vaginal birth, particularly if it's an elective Caesar. When there's no real reason, there's no physiological reason or health issues or things like that in the mom, um, and you're faced with those options should you choose to just book for your Caesar, which I don't think moms are told that. No. You know, yeah. That's conveniently not discussed. Obviously, a C-section is really useful if you've got fibroids in the lower third of the uterus, uh, if there's a face presentation of the baby in a contracted pelvis, 
If there's a transverse lie that you can't get the baby to convert to head down, and if the placenta is at the top of the uterus, that you want a C-section for because generally those natural births do not go well. Um, and you know, your emergency seizures are there for in the emergency situation. So, you know, that's that's where medicine can jump in. And medicine was always designed as an emergency treatment. It was yeah. it was field side on the battlefield. That's where medicine was, was born. Mm. Um, it was, you know, how can I get the soldier back on the battlefield as fast as humanly possible? So that's, you know, that's where I see the role of the C-section is, okay, here we've got a problem here. We've got to get this baby out and keep the mom and baby safe. Yeah. That's when that's, you know field side emergency care comes into great great play yeah. um yeah i think that was all of them let me just check fascinating eh? it is <laughs> yeah and i think that's yeah i mean on this one i just said you know read your research apply your knowledge have a baby it's a real reality check breastfeed your baby it's an un unbelievable privilege and the mom knows best best they're the most connected person to the baby always listen to the mom they'll most often tell you what's wrong with their baby. And if a mom suspects something's not right, trust them. Yeah. Go and find out, figure it out, ask questions. They'll know. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people listen to their intuition, though. Mm -mm. They mm. think that the doctor will know better than the mm. intuition. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, I think, part of where women have given up that that um, choice and that ability. Yeah. And that's mm. where the medical route then becomes... The default. Yeah. And even now, your medical aides are really pushing for all the medical steps to rather go in rather than the natural. I mean, you look at, you, you're covered for natural birth at home, but you're not covered for certain things if certain things go wrong. Why? Mm. And they want you to be in hospital so that you're there, that you, and, and the, as we heard, the cascade of events that could happen to a child and mum. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And in hospital, you've just got more chance of being medicalized. You've got more chance of a um, episiotomy where they cut you. You've got, you know, more chance of actually ending up having a Caesar because it's not a rest. It's not a it's not a peaceful place. Mm -hmm. There's machines beeping and, you know, a nurse will come in and check you. Then some other person will come in and check you. And it's, it's not a peaceful space. Yeah. So your adrenaline is more likely to be going no, 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 no. and going towards instead your legs. of your oxytocin yeah. Mm. Yeah. taking over, kind of creating this beautiful, peaceful space where the body goes, oh, mm. I can do this. This yeah. is this is peaceful. This is comfortable. So you know your your chances are just higher in a hospital yeah. of of ending up having a Caesar than ending up having your natural birth. Um, so the environment is really really powerful and. Um, engaging what you were talking about earlier about the fight or flight to the um, is it the parasympathetic nervous system like which one are you gonna mm. engage mm. Mm. it's amazing that is very interesting no yeah, so that wasn't a whole bunch of chiropractic no it's still very inf informative I think it's very informative and I do think that there's actually going to be needing we're going to need more information on this I don't think that there, I mean you've done a great job you really have and we love it but you're right there's so much more there's so much more like why is it important for a baby to go through the vaginal canal? Well, I mean, the benefits, obviously, of going through the vaginal canal is that your everything gets squashed. Mm. So you clear the lungs out, because remember, your baby's now been in fluid all the time. They have not had air, so you need to clear the lungs. So that clears the lungs. It squeezes the liver, 
So it's detoxifying the liver, it's squeezing the colon, it's squeezing everything, it's activating the nervous system. Mm. So it's a really, really important, you know, kind of wake up call to the body, clean everything out, squeeze it out, wake it all up, and then it's ready to go. So that's a, it is, it's a very important part. And I think too, we, we still don't really know what are all the hormones doing while in labor? You know, all those contractions are also, they're waking up the baby, they're squeezing the baby, they're working that baby. And the baby's got all these reflexes to push and kick and all of that and that's assisting the, the birthing process. And, you know, how many of those reflexes in utero are being burnt out in utero that are meant to, that are not then retained mm -hmm. and your baby needs tons of therapy later because they're not reaching their milestones or their whatever, you know. Mm -hmm not speaking properly or, you know, any of these, these challenges. And so that's, you know, that's a really important part of, of having, having a natural birth. Mm. So what would be some signs that a woman would need to get some chiropractic adjustments? Would it be the, the, the pains in the back pain and all those, are those the kind of... Mostly yeah. they come for pain, right? Mm. Um, it would be nice to just see pregnant women regardless right of how they're feeling. Yeah. yeah. Because that's just, it's kind of activating the body, making sure everything's symmetrical, making sure things are working fluidly, so that they, they just, you know, you kind of, let's say it's like rungs of a ladder. The bottom of the ladder is, oh, agonizing pain, useless, can't move, can't do anything. Slight, a couple of rungs up, you're functional, you're pain-free, but at the top of the ladder, you are vibrant and thriving and just, you know, mm. on your best, right? And so... For me, yes, you can be that kind of painkiller yeah. and, you know, take you from the very bottom rung to mid-level. But how much more awesome could it be to go from mid-level to the top yeah. of that ladder and absolutely be thriving? I mean, that could be for anybody, really, yeah. from, you know, from a chiropractic point of view, you know. Um, many a time people come in and go, gosh, I didn't, I, I kind of thought I was just coming for a little bit of a checkup, but wow, I feel so much now better. I feel amazing yeah. again. Yeah. And so, you know... You, that that's kind of where you would like to work is in that oh wow I feel amazing yeah. again mm -hmm. as opposed to you know just get me out of pain. So okay. it, it would be wise almost for all women like throughout the pregnancy to anywhere even if they're not experiencing pain just to know that they're on the right track and get higher up yeah. on that ladder. And I think too you'll pick up you'll pick up stuff earlier you know. Mm. When I have that phone call of I'm 39 weeks and my baby's transverse, can you turn my baby? Versus when I'm 30 weeks, that's a totally different conversation. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're working with a mom and you're seeing them once a month in the first, say, six months or like even every second month in that, that period, you, you, you kind of, and not that you can predict whether a baby's going to be transverse or not. So, you know, you can't do research on that and go, oh, yeah, because you saw a chiropractor, everything went smoothly. But I think the more moms that are seeing chiropractors having smooth births, feeding back to the gynae, going, gee whiz, this is such a positive experience, I feel amazing. You know, hopefully we can start to change the perception of why would you go and see a chiropractor when there's supposedly nothing wrong with you. You know, so it's more about let's make sure it's good and use that opportunity to work with the mom and empower the mom right mm. from the very beginning. Yeah. So that by the time they've gone through their pregnancy, they're so confident and ready to step into having their baby naturally that it, it's easy. 
So, you know, I don't just see it as, oh, well, let's just get your joints going. You know, I do see it as like, this is just a nurturing space there to try and help you as much as possible on as many levels as we possibly can. That's so that would, that would be why I would say, yeah. let me person, well, how often must I see you? Well, you know, <laughs> come once a month or come when you're in absolute agony. It's really up to you. It's not up to me to dictate yeah. how often you come and see me. But, you know, if, if you're really struggling or you can start to feel your body pinging you, come then, definitely. Don't wait until you debilitate it. Yeah, yeah. much more. Because ping, we can yeah. do so much more and, and take you out of that, that zone of pain. Because the minute there's pain, there are certain um, chemicals that get produced that start damaging cartilage and ligaments and tendons and all of that kind mm. of stuff because there's a healing process happening there. But in that process, you've got, you know, certain chemicals that are a little bit corrosive. So if you can avoid that, you don't go into that corrosive space. So yeah. it's about keeping you out of that corrosive space throughout the pregnancy yeah, or sure. in, you know, general in life. life yeah. And, yeah. And, and a lot of people, when they're in pain, they overcompensate in another way and that mm. can cause other problems. Mm. Yeah, like so a shoulder pain and then you skew, you're not sitting straight. And that yeah. makes your spine all... Yeah. Yeah. And stuff. Domino effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it's it's good to catch things early. Yeah, and those dysfunctions kind of you know are usually just slow, mm. not noticeable, a little bit noticeable, and then debilitating. Yeah, so eventually you hunched over. And you ignore, ignore, and <laughs> yeah. and probably the most common thing you hear is, oh, "I thought it would just go away by itself," <laughs> and a lot of the time stuff does go away. But, you know, when your body's pinged you a couple of times, it's saying, hey, hey, listen, mm, I need attention. I really need attention. Oh, my word, you're not listening to me. I'm going to now crash you. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, before it gets to, oh, I'm going to crash you, rather have something done yeah. before that, mm. that meltdown. It's a lot quicker to get you right than yeah. if you're really in, the, <laughs> in, the, in the broken state yeah. versus a little bit, a little bit, you know, a little bit out of out of sync. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Especially for people who sit like I sit a lot, like in the car or even at the table, mm. like desk and stuff. Mm. So. Yeah. And a sitting posture is, is, I mean, it's terrible for anybody. But I mean, mm. a pregnant woman, that space is so constrained, and when you sit on the pelvis. The, you know, your kind of bum bones get pulled out to a certain extent. So that's putting a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor, on the ligaments, all sorts of things. On the sacroiliac joint, you're stretching the bottom end of the sacroiliac joint and you're compressing the top end. And then when you stand up, that has to reverse. And, you know, that, that can mm. be pretty painful anyway. Sure. Now, when you've got lax ligaments, that is so much more of a pull and so much more stress on the, on the pelvic floor itself. Mm. So sitting is, is terrible, plus then digestion gets affected because mm. no one sits 100% right while you're sitting. So everything's collapsing and you yeah. know the digestive system suffers, the breathing suffers, everything suffers because it's got reduced space. So the more you get up and stretch and extend, the better Yeah. for everything. Makes and me want to go do some yoga now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go, yoga time. <laughs> Thanks, Please Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I absolutely love Siobhan and how meticulous she is. All the tips and information about medication, she's an absolute wealth of knowledge. And she has such a laid back way of delivering a flood of information outside of chiropractor. And um, 
You see, you never know what you'll know, what you'll find out unless you ask a whole bunch of questions. And uh, we just also want to apologise about the kids and the dogs all arriving and the commotion that happened in between the the podcast. We just couldn't take it out. It was just really inf- important information. And just some of the takeaways is ask more questions, especially for your families who are going into pregnancy or who are pregnant. Um, move more and listen to your body pinging. Yeah, thank you so much for having a listen to this episode. We really, really enjoyed it. Um, And if you wouldn't mind, please go and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It really helps others to find um, this kind of information that would be really helpful for them. And uh, we'll see you next time.